like that. You want to try that. Hello, everybody. Welcome that. to this Friday like edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We are here in life. This is the first time that I can recall anyways. I could be wrong about this. I don't have the exact numbers out in front of me at this point in time, but this is the first time it feels like in a while where we have recorded a show every single day of the week in regards to our normal-ish schedule. So give yourselves a round of applause. Give yourselves a big round of applause. And to celebrate that, you should... Follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and like and follow the Facebook page where you can check out all different, on those all different forms of social media, you can check out links to different blog posts and links to shows and stuff like that, or... You can go to the LoganBlackmanShow.com and go into the blog section or scroll down on the main page and see our newest blog posts. You can see our three latest blog posts on the website. So make sure you go and check that out. Again, the LoganBlackmanShow.com. You can check out our insanely early 2024 quarterback prospect rankings. And at this time, the time of this recording, the blog post currently has, drumroll please, 24 views, which isn't, you know, we'll take it. We'll take it. Compared to last year's insanely early quarterback rankings, we had 28. So, you know what? We'll take it. We'll take it. And in difference to that one, that one last year was written all the way back, all the way back on May 4th. The one that we posted last Friday got posted on last Friday, whatever date that was, the 19th. (laughs) 19th. So after the draft hoopla kind of subsided a little bit, now we'll get into a little bit more of the NFL draft stuff as the show progresses, you know, as we normally do. But uh, the main thing you should do here as well is make sure you are following and are subscribed to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. If you're listening right now, it's the only way you know what I'm saying, so make sure you are subscribed and are following and leave a rating out of five stars on both. Maybe a one-star rating or a five-star rating, I don't care, just as long as you leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Now, this, I, I expect this to be a semi-fun show. <laughs> I always, I, I'm always hopeful for fun-ish shows. We've got, st- we got, we're covering a lot of different sports today. We're covering a lot of different sports. So I'm really excited for this one. And I, the only reason I'm going to talk about football, American football, in any way, shape, or form today is because I got sent something earlier today by a friend on Twitter, and it got me thinking about something. So we're going to talk about that, of course, a little bit later. And then there's some draft stuff we could tag into that as well. We've obviously got the NBA and NHL playoffs. We have the Nuggets beating the Lakers. We talked about that show, that game on Wednesday. We had the Celtics coming back to beat the Heat on Wednesday as well. So that series did not end in a sweep, but we had the Panthers sweeping the Hurricanes, which ended in a sweep. And then we have the Knights and Stars, which could end in a sweep. We will have to wait and see on that. So we said there was a possibility of four sweeps in these conference finals. So far, we have had two of them. We are still in line for one more. So a max we can get is three. And I don't like cheering for the Vegas Golden Knights. I've never liked them since they became a team. Mostly because Kevin, who has been on the show here before, is a big-time Vegas Golden Knights fan. And we used to give each other shit all the time at William Penn watching hockey. One of my first Instagram posts ever is me wearing a Vegas Golden Knights shirt. Kevin is from Carson City, Nevada. So he just, by default, when the Knights became a thing, decided to become a Knights fan. So he's from the area, so it's not like it was just some, oh, they're really good, so I'll decide to support them. That helped everything, so it got him a lot less shit than I did because the Vegas Golden Knights, are that was our sophomore year of college. That sophomore year of college, the Blackhawks played the Knights three times, and the Knights beat the Blackhawks three times. And that first time they met, we made a bet that said, hey, whoever wins this game, the loser has to wear either A, so I have a jersey, a Blackhawks jersey, and I have a couple jerseys as well, and a couple shirts, so I was like, hey, loser has to wear a shirt or jersey on social media, and you have to wear it the rest of the, the entire day, you have to wear it the entire day, and all Kevin had, and he, I, he might still only have, I don't know if he's he's updated his wardrobe in regards to the Vegas Golden Knights, I, t- I texted him today about watching the Knights versus the Florida Panthers in the Stanley Cup final, if that does end up taking place, because you never know, maybe the Maybe the Stars mount this insane comeback. I highly doubt it, and we're leaning more towards a sweep than anything, given some of the stuff that's taken place recently. But I think that's the only shirt he has. But with that, that shirt was a, just a normal shirt. 
And the bet was you had to wear it at school. And it was a cold day. Oskaloosa is a very cold, like during the winter and fall, it is chilly down there. And if you're from the state of Iowa, you understand how much the wind affects everything. Like the one of the oldest sayings here, if you're from the state of Iowa, is, man, it'd be perfectly fine if it wasn't for this dang wind. Or it'd be perfectly fine if it wasn't so freaking humid. Like those two things are like constant themes. If you're from the state of Iowa and Kevin and Zach, who again have both been on the show before, Zach's been on here twice, Kevin once, Zach and Kevin are on here together. They are slowly becoming adopted Iowans. Kevin lives on a freaking farm now. So he understands where we were coming from at that point. But when it was so cold down in Oski, that made wearing the shirt hard because I wasn't allowed to wear it underneath my sweatshirt. That would have been an easy cop out. No, I had to wear this tiny ass shirt because I'm bigger than Kevin, not by a whole lot. And at William Penn, I was like, I don't know, probably 10 pounds heavier than him. We're about the same height, but we're about 10 pounds heavier than him. And <laughs> I had this stupid ass Vegas gold night shirt and I had to wear it over my sweatshirt. He saw me on campus wearing the sweatshirt and told me I had to wear it on the outside. So that I did. So that I did. So one of my first pictures on Instagram is me wearing a Vegas gold night shirt. And I think the caption is something along the lines of don't cash, don't write checks. Your team can't cash or something like that. And then let's have the Knights go on and sweep the Blackhawks. And not only that, go on to make the Stanley cup final. Like it was cancer. It was terrible. Absolutely terrible. And to make matters worse, oh no, that was the season prior, but the Blackhawks did not cover themselves in glory that year. Like, one of the year, the final, when we were at William Penn, the first year we were at William Penn as freshmen, which is usually most people's first year in college, me and one of my other, our other friends, Brett, were big hockey fans. So I'm obviously a Blackhawks fan. He is a St. Louis Blues fan. His dad has had season tickets to the Blues forever. And we were both quarterbacks. We came in the same class. So we were like, hey, we're going we're gonna to talk shit to each other about hockey. But when Brett and I would talk shit about hockey, we didn't have a lot of other people on the team that really watched hockey. So our friends, we kind of indoctrinated in regards to the, the hockey fandom of our group at William Penn. And since Brett got to them first, because Brett's a whole hell of a lot more outgoing than I am, so Brett got to them before I did. So that first year at Penn, before the Vegas Golden Knights became a thing and everybody was starting to get into hockey, Brett brainwashed everybody into hating the Chicago Blackhawks. And that what made it absolutely horrific that season was that the Blackhawks got swept in the first round of the playoffs by the Nashville Predators. It was terrible. One of the worst years I've ever had. I had zero friends on the team that were Blackhawks fans. I had one coach that was a Blackhawks fan, and that was it. And that was it. And then Brett started slowly getting to everybody's like, hey, man, don't the Blackhawks suck? And then our sophomore year, we got a couple Blues fans coming in as well that were actually Blues fans. Not that Brett changed their minds and said, hey, you be a Blues fan or you be an anti-Blackhawks fan. So that's what a lot of my friends became at the time, was an anti-Blackhawks fan. So I became anti-whatever their teams were <laughs> just by default. Like the Knights. A lot of people, when the Knights first became a thing, a lot of people liked them because it breathed a whole new set of fresh air into the NHL. Because the Blackhawks... For a long time, or a long time, three, they won three cups in five years. So everybody was getting kind of sick and tired of the Chicago Blackhawks. So having the Knights come in as an expansion team and coming in and having success right away, it got a lot of people excited. Not me. Not me. Hate the Knights. Hated the Knights then. Hate the Knights now. And now that Jack Eichel's on there, they're a little bit more annoying. Jack Eichel, amazing player, but annoying. I like Jack Eichel and his time in Buffalo, but his time post-Buffalo has not really been that great in regards to the relationship between the Sabres fans and Jack Eichel, <laughs> a former captain of the Buffalo Sabres. And it's funny to think about this. I was planning on talking this at the end, but it's crazy to think about the, the Buffalo Sabres were so damn close to make the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs this year. So close, like by a whisker. They were close. I got to pull up the exact standings. Yeah, so the, the Florida Panthers, who were in the Stanley Cup final, just swept the Carolina Hurricanes, ended up beating the greatest regular season hockey team of all time of the Boston Bruins, which we called, by the way. They came into the playoffs with 92 points. Out of every team in the playoffs, they had the least amount of points. 92. The next closest was the New York, New York Islanders with 93, and the next closest after that, was the Winnipeg Jets. If they were in the Western Conference, which would be very hard to do since they're all the way in Florida, they wouldn't have even sniffed the playoffs. They wouldn't even sniffed it. They would have been behind two teams 
that missed the playoffs if they were in the Western Conference. And the Calgary Flames and the Nashville Predators. 92 points. They're in the Stanley Cup Final. The Buffalo Sabres, on the other hand, finished with 91. So you know what we talked about with the Chicago Bulls? with They should have beat the Miami Heat if they didn't shut off in the last four minutes of the game. They would end up beating the Heat. How much would that have changed the, the NBA playoffs? Would the Bucks have still, would the Bulls have beaten the Bucks? Would the Bulls have been on the verge of sweeping the Boston Celtics? Would Giannis have gotten hurt against the Bulls? Would the Bulls have been absolutely dominated by the Bucks like they were the season prior in the playoffs? Who the hell knows? But if the Buffalo Sabres make the playoffs, squeak into the playoffs above the Florida Panthers, who, again, had one more point than them. The Buffalo Sabres ended the season on a very good streak. They ended on a season better streak than the, Sa- the freaking Florida Panthers did. Just missing out. Do the Sabres make the Stanley Cup fa- playoffs? Or do they make the Stanley Cup? Do they beat the Boston Bruins in the first round? Like, it's so crazy how some of these things could change the entire landscape of the playoff scene if just one thing went differently. And that's the same thing with the Sabres as, you know, their history, because you got the whole no-goal game again <laughs> in the Stanley Cup Final back in the early 2000s, late 90s. Like, you got all that stuff going on. So the Sabres are just used to that at this point. Just absolutely used to it. But congratulations to the Florida Panthers and all that stuff. But I do want to see the, the Panthers, as at this point... I would love to see the Florida Panthers win the Stanley Cup final. I would love it. Absolutely love it. I have no, you know, previous affiliation with the Florida Panthers. Like, I have no, there's nothing really there. I love Pavel Bure. Pavel Bure is awesome. Matty Tuchuk was a big factor in me winning my fantasy hockey league this year. And a big trade that sent him down to South Florida. You got Sam Reinhart there, former Buffalo Sabre. You got Eric Stahl down there. Bobrovsky's looking like the Bobrovsky that was back in Columbus. I would love to see that, especially against the Knights who have 111 points, finished the regular season with 111 points, which was tops of the Western Conference. So you have the potential of the worst team in the Eastern Conference to make the playoffs, beating the best team in the Western Conference. Isn't that crazy how things work? Out? could work out like that? Obviously, the Dallas Stars ain't no slots either. They got 108 points. They only finished three points behind the Vegas Golden Knights this season. It's crazy. Absolutely craziness. It's also funny how things change over time. Like uh, watching how how the Panthers beat the uh, beat the Hurricanes. I saw people on Twitter talking about, "Man, how did how did the Boston Bruins beat them three times? How'd that happen?" And this again, a Boston Bruins team, 135 points in the regular season. 65 wins. Greatest regular season team of all time. This is what we talked about before the playoffs though. How many times does the quote-unquote greatest regular season team of all time do in the playoffs? You look at the Patriots that had the chance to be the first undefeated, the 18-0 was what the Patriots were going for, or 19-0, 19-0. So you obviously got the 72 Dolphins to finish the season 16-0, won the Super Bowl and all that stuff, or 14-0. They Hold on, I don't think, did the 72 Dolphins, did they play 16 games back then? For whatever reason, I'm, per, I'm like picturing them Playing like 14. Okay, yeah, they went 14 and 0. They went 14 and 0. The Patriots are the first team to ever go 16 and 0 in the regular season. You got that team. We got Brady throwing 50 touchdowns. You got Randy Moss having like 24 receiving touchdowns or something like that. You got the Seattle Mariners beating, blasting the all-time win record for baseball in a regular season. And then you got the freaking Boston Bruins. How many? Of those? Then you got the Warriors too. The 73 and 9 Warriors. What happened to these teams? None of them came away with championships. The 72-10 the seventy-two and 10 Bulls, 95-96 Bulls, that team won a championship. So remember, don't mean a thing without the ring. Remember that whole saying? And he blew a 3-1 lead? Did the 73-9 Warriors? <laughs> craziness. Absolutely craziness. It never seems to happen. I never understand how that works out, but it never seems to happen. Greatest teams in the regular season never seem to actually put it all together in the playoffs. They exerted so much energy in the regular season, it seems like. Like the Bruins, again, 65 wins, 135 points. Lose to a team that was one point away from not even being in the playoffs. And now said team is in the Stanley Cup Finals coming off a sweep against a team that finished second in the Eastern Conference of the Carolina Hurricanes. That is absolutely bananas, but that is why we love the playoffs. That is absolutely why we love the playoffs. It's why we love the Stanley Cup playoffs. Stanley Cup playoffs are the best postseason brand of sport ever. 
Like, I love the NFL. I love football and all that stuff. But, man, hockey has got it down. You got the uh, the fall classic for baseball. They got some great playoff stuff. And I was talking to some friends the other night. One of them was like, man, we got no sports comes. Like, man, you got to start watching baseball. You got to start watching some baseball. And the Cubs, you know, the Cubs are going to Cubs. You know, it's it's just reality at this point. And there's not really any that I that I've seen anyways in regards to <laughs> the Cubs. Anything that's really telling me this team can make the playoffs. They have spurts. They have very nice spurts. But it's not consistent enough. It's not consistent enough. They're three and seven in the last ten games. They have the best run differential in the NL Central this year. They have the second best run differential in the entire National League. And yet they're twenty two and twenty six. Isn't that great? They just called up Kyle Hendricks. Some of the lineups that this team has put forth this season is just so weird. It's so weird. I'm I'm trying to go to a Cubs game this year. I haven't been to a Cubs game in a while. Chicago Cubs game. I went to an iCubs game earlier this year, but I haven't been to a Chicago Cubs game in a fat-ass minute. Like, I, it has, it's been so long for me that I can't remember who they played the last game they played. The last time I was there. It was either the Bruins or Padres. Because it was the year before the Padres got, you know, Manny Machado and all those guys. Fernando Tatis got called up. Or maybe it was the first year of Manny Machado. Maybe it was that. I, I can't really remember. I think James Shields pitched for the, the Padres that day. The Cubs won against the Padres and the Brewers. That's why I can't remember. I remember my first game vividly. It was against the Dodgers. Chris Russin pitched for the Chicago Cubs. Yastiel Puig hit a home run. Junior Lake and Anthony Rizzo hit two home runs. They lost 6-4. to four. Like I remember that game vividly. I... I remember Alvin Amora and Kyle Schwarber hitting home runs those one of those two games and the Brewer the Bruins game Brewers game and the Padres game, but I couldn't tell you which games they were. I couldn't tell you which games they were whatsoever. It's absolutely I can't I for whatever reason, I've completely spaced that out of my mind. I remember David Bodie get, being called up to the majors at that point. I heard his his walk up music as I was looking down because I like to keep scores. I like to fill out a scorecard as I'm watching a baby when I'm at a game. When I'm at a baseball game, but professional, I don't do it at iCubs games. But like at a, a Chicago Cubs game, I love doing it. Absolutely love doing it. Now, it's going to be interesting if I do end up going with some friends, because I've only ever been with my dad. My dad understands that. My friends will probably make fun of me the entire time. Probably will. I if, yeah, I say probably. They definitely will be making fun of me the entire time. They used to make fun of me at Barnstormers games. I, mean, I guess that's, you know, it's kind of sad. Doing it at Barnstormers games is a little bit different than doing it at a Chicago Cubs baseball game in one of the greatest eras of Chicago Cubs baseball of all time. It's a little different than doing it for a Barnstormers team that was ass and is ass now. I haven't been to a Barnstormers game since they won the championship against Sioux Falls Storms. Storm a few years ago. Remember that awesome championship? I think we talked about it here on the show. We might have. I can't really remember. I went with Noah and Brady. Brady, again, has been on the show. Brady, his dad... Him and his dad had season tickets to the Barnstormers. Same time me and my dad had season tickets to the Barnstormers. So it was like, Brady, we deserve this. We need to go to the Iowa Barnstormers potentially winning a championship. And they did. It's the first time I've ever seen a challenge for a challenge. Like, what I mean by that is one team threw a challenge flag, came back, and then the other team threw a challenge flag. The challenge, the reversal of the challenge. Like, I love that that happened. Now, the Barnstormers right now, I, I haven't been to a Barnstormers game again since then, and that was a while ago. That was a while ago. But the Barnstormers right now, have they, they've won one game that I can think of. They're 1-7. and seven, And they have been relatively dominated in every single game they played this year. But that's kind of how the Arena Football League works. I guess it's not arena, the Indoor Football League. Arena Football, whatever you want to call it. That's just how it works. If one team gets a lead, it's really hard to get back because you can really get into runs. It's kind of like basketball in that sense. It's just so fast-paced. So fast. I would recommend going. I mean, it's not a good brand because the Barnstormers stink, but... Again, it's a it's a fun brand of football. And I'm excited to see what the 18th rendition of the Arena Football League is going to look like. <laughs> that thing has been, uh, like, bankrupt multiple times throughout my life. I used to watch it as a kid, bankrupt. Watch it as a kid, bankrupt. Come back, come back again, Barnstormers go back, bankrupts again. <laughs> they had four teams in the league, like, two years ago, and then got bankrupt. And then now we're they're trying to make a comeback next year. So we'll see if it actually works out. I'm all for it working out because I would love to see the Barnstormers back in the Arena Football League. I mean, the Indoor Football League is doing well right now. By all accounts, anyways. But the Arena Football League just hits differently. There's a lot of different renditions of Arena Football. I think there's like the Champions of Indoor Football or something like that. And then you got the IFO, which the Barnstormers are in. 
There's a lot of different renditions of arena football, but the AFL is the best. Not Australian rules football. The AFL, Arena Football League. But again, you look at the Barnstormers right now. Here's some of their games. They 57 to 44, 54 to 24, 54 to 24 again. That's one of those things. I was talking to my dad about this last night. It was a, a Phineas and Ferb quote. I don't remember what the context of it is, but Doofenshmirtz is talking to, to Perry the Platypus. And he goes, if I had a nickel for every time this happened, I would have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's crazy that it happened twice. 54 to 24 is such an oddly specific score. That happen, have it happened twice in back-to-back weeks is very insane, both on the losing ends of it. And then they first home game, 54-48. So they had the home crowd behind them, but still lost. Then they lost 56-36. Then they lost 60-34. And then they won, putting up 73 points in their first win two Saturdays ago. Like, good Lord. Arena football is so fun. Like, when you look at Zach Reeder, man, that's a that's an Upper Iowa guy. That's an Upper Iowa guy. Wow. Four touchdowns in the game. I know a lot about Upper Iowa sports when I was doing on press row. We did a lot of coverage of Upper Iowa stuff. And then we had uh, their last game last Saturday, uh, 57-41 loss. But they've got back-to-back home games. They're playing Sioux Falls again, the team they beat the championship a couple years ago. And they play Green Bay, not this coming Saturday, but the next Saturday, June 3rd. So we'll see if that <laughs> – and they play the Quad City Steamlers three times in a row. They play them on the 17th at home, 24th on the road, and then July 8th at home. And they ended with the Frisco Fighters. I don't know how the indoor football league playoffs work, but unless it's like the XFL, where you have the Arlington Renegades winning the championship with like four wins, I don't really see a reality where the Barnstormers that currently sit at 1-7 and seven make the playoffs unless they run table and just win the rest of their games, which would be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. So you finish 8-7 and seven, make the playoffs. That's doable. That's doable. I mean, they do have the potential to score 73 points in a game. So, hey, anything's possible, I guess. Consistently, I don't know. And against a team in Sioux Falls that they've lost to already 54-24 this year. So, we'll see if it happens. We'll see if it happens, but I, I'm highly doubting it. I had no idea we were going to talk about the Iowa Barnstormers today. But, again, we said we were going to talk about a lot of different sports today. So, so far, we have talked about hockey. We've talked a little bit about baseball. We've talked about the arena football, <laughs> the indoor football league. I think it's time we do talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs because, again, we got the Boston Celtics take out the Miami Heat. They did not get swept, which congratulations to the Boston Celtics not getting swept. That's a big accomplishment. Now, the series could be over tonight. It could be done and dusted tonight. Who the hell knows? Like, I always get worried about that. Like, when I when I write a sh- when I do a show and I come up with a title, I write the title out and, like, four possible sweeps and you post a show, then the sweep doesn't happen, then that show looks bad because you're talking about things – on that show, that you know, it's it, it's complicated. It's complicated, but hey, it's been a fun series. Been a fun playoff so far. I'd like to see the Heat with Gabe Vincent's out, which is a big loss. He's twisted his ankle or sprained his ankle in the last game. Came down rough on it in the corner. Shot a corner. Tried to get a rebound. Came down on it hard. Tried to finish out the rest of the game, but uh, is gonna miss this game. So we'll see if Kyle Lowry balls out in this game or not. <laughs> but the winner of this game, obviously. Goes on, or the winner of this game, winner of this series, obviously goes on to play the Denver Nuggets. And I saw this just a little bit ago. Is Nikola Jokic already the greatest Denver Nugget of all time? Yeah. It's crazy to think about that. But again, Nikola Jokic is twenty is 28 years old. Is 28 years old. When you're looking at the greatest players of the Denver Nuggets history, we've already kind of talked about it a little bit last show. When you talk about, like, this is the first time they've ever been to a championship game. Which is insane to think about when you think about some of the players that they've had. And we went through some of those players again. But, yeah, Jokic is the best player in Denver Nuggets history. And they're going to retire number 15 for both him and Melo. I think Melo's more recognizable. But, and Melo's a great player. I don't want to make it sound like I'm bashing Melo. Because I definitely am not. I love Carmelo Anthony. Again, I watched his first game as a Nick. I was all I was obsessed when he got traded to the New York Knicks. That trade was huge. I was obsessed when he was going to come to the Chicago Bulls before signing a contract extension with the Knicks. Ripping my heart out of my chest and make me stare at it. It was terrible. But, I mean, that's the only person he's really competing. It's, it's between him and Melo, obviously. But, again, Alex English, definitely up there. Dikembe Mutombo is definitely going to be mentioned up there as well. Though he didn't play there for an insanely long period of time. Only played there for about five years. Still a great player. Still a great player. One of their big-time players back in the day. One of the best defensive players of all time. But Jokic, the thing with Jokic, and the same thing goes for Luka Doncic as well, they're so unassuming. They're so unassuming. 
And that's what makes me love them so much. You could find those guys at any YMCA, in any state, in any city, and yet these guys are just calmly dropping 30 points a game. Jokic just calmly dropped. Both of them are calmly dropping triple doubles. Like, they're so slow, but it's so effective. Every move that they make is so well thought out and so well prepared, it is ridiculous to think about. Like, to see things before they happen is a Jedi trait. <laughs> he must have, he has Jedi reflexes. That's what Jokic and Doncic have. Because they don't move very fast. Like, imagine if these guys, like, took 100% care of their body. Do you know how dominant these two would be? Even more dominant than what they are now. We're talking about Luka Don- or Nikola Jokic already being the greatest player in Nuggets history. He's won two MVPs, should have won three straight MVPs. Just won the Western Conference Final Player of the Year. Or MVP, I guess, Player of the Year. It's the same thing. Got the Nuggets to their first ever NBA championship. If he wins it, we are catapulting. And we kind of touched on this Wednesday. He's going to catapult himself in the upper echelon of all-time centers in NBA history. He's already, again, the best passing center in NBA history, which is insane to think about. Again, so unassuming. This dude came into the NBA not in shape. Not in shape. People thought he was a little bit lazy. This dude calmly drops 30, 15, and 15 like it's nothing. Like it's absolutely, this dude almost averaged a triple-double this year. He had 9.8 assists. He was .2 assists off of a triple-double. As a center, (laughs) not a point guard. Because point guards run the floor. Point guards don't need to pass the ball. They will because that will help their assist numbers, but... There's so much more movement involved being a point guard. And Jokic at times plays point guard. Now, I remember back in the day, we talked about the Chicago Bulls. We always like to bring up the Bulls when we're talking about the NBA because we have to. The Bulls. But I remember when Derrick Rose was suffering with all those injuries with the Bulls. Joakim Noah was kind of like a, um, I don't even know what you want to call it. He wasn't anywhere close to this level. I, I would just like to say that. But he was a Jokic-esque player where he would be acting as the point guard. And Joakim Noah never was a real big stat sheet stuffer, but that year, I think it was like 2013, 2013-14, I got to pull up this exact year because his stats weren't like amazing. or Yeah, 2013-14, 12.6 points, 11.3 rebounds, 5.4 assists, 1.2 steals, 1.5 blocks per game. With a disgusting ass shooting motion that saw him shoot 73% from the free throw line. Playing 35 minutes a game. Playing the most games he's ever played in his career with 80. Started all 80 games. Or started all 80. Started all <laughs> all but two games that year. Because he, he didn't play in two of them. But that Joakim Noah. That Joakim Noah finished fourth in the MVP race. Was the defensive player of the year. First team All-NBA. Joakim Noah. Finished fourth in the MVP race. Streets forget. About that version of Joakim Noah. That's why when I talk about the Chicago Bulls, my favorite players of all time in Bulls history, Joakim Noah is securely up there. And Jimmy Butler, he credits a lot to his mindset to that Bulls team. Though they didn't, you know, reach the the summit like a lot of people thought they would. Like, they had back-to-back one seeds in the East. Well, again, they, the the year the, the lockout happened, and the season started in December, started on Christmas Day with D-Rose making a floater over Kobe and against the Lakers. Like, stuff like that. And they come back and get the one seed. D-Rose gets hurt. But Joakim Noah, that dude balled out. That dude absolutely balled out. With Rose getting hurt, the Bulls still were a fourth-place Eastern Conference team. They finished with a 48-34 and record. And they were a solid team. Jimmy Butler was there. Carlos Boozer rotated at point. <laughs> he had a point guard rotation of DJ Augustine and Kirk Heinrich. He had Tony Snell getting drafted that year. Mike Dunleavy. Nazir Mohammed. Lou Amundsen, <laughs> Jimmer. I forgot Jimmer was on that team. Taj Gibson was there as well. But that's what joke, like that version of Joe Keem, that, that's the only time that I can remember, like vividly watching a lot of these games and going like, wow, the center's the point guard. <laughs> he wasn't doing it like the same level as Jokic. I would just like, again, to clarify that, but he was awesome. He was awesome, and Jokic has just, yeah, he may he may not do anything flashy or anything, but some of his passes he makes, some of the re, some of the the shots, like his uh, his fadeaway three in the last game of the series against the Lakers, 
of one foot over <laughs> Anthony Davis is insane. It's just an insane shot, and he just cashed it. Absolutely cashed it. But, man, Jokic is awesome. I love that dude. That dude's so awesome. I love Doncic. Again, they just give every unathletic white dude belief that they, too, can be a professional basketball player. <laughs> it doesn't happen a lot. It doesn't happen a lot. Like, Steve Nash was that for me. Steve Nash was way more athletic, though. Way more athletic. Just wasn't as big. Wasn't as big. About 6'3". Jeez, oh, what was he? Probably 175, maybe. Doncic's about 6'5". But 6'6". Six, six. I don't know how tall Doncic is, actually. He's about 230, probably. Jokic, 7 foot, 300. I, they're big dudes. Like, Steve Nash did soccer, hockey, did all that different stuff. Did the, the dunk contest with Amari Stoudemire. Did the, the head of the ball off the backboard to Amari for a dunk. Or Amari threw it off the backboard. Steve Nash headed it and Amari dunked it. Steve Nash back-to-back MVPs. Love Steve Nash. Love Steve Nash. He was my favorite player before Derrick Rose became a thing. My great Nana, she lived down in Phoenix. I had a Steve Nash book back in the day. Steve Nash book. Those orange Suns jerseys, that is they are one of the ugliest jerseys of all time. That is the only orange jersey I ever liked. <laughs> I, I needed to put the caveat in. I know they don't look good. I know they don't look good. So don't chastise me and go like, hey, Logan, those jerseys were ugly as shit. I'm well aware. I'm very well aware that they were ugly, but I liked them at the same time. I had a charm to them. I loved watching those jerseys when they played the Spurs, like Parker, Ginobili, Duncan, all those guys. I loved watching the, that orange Suns jersey against the Spurs in San Antonio. With Mono Ginobili had the long hair too. It's awesome. Absolutely loved it. But Nuggets are a Heat Celtics. Celtics are an eight and a half point favorite. Eight and a half point favorite. With, with with Gabe Vincent being out and Gabe Vincent being as instrumental as he has been for the Miami Heat in this playoff run, that's a big loss. And Kyle Lowry, to be fair, in that game against the Atlanta Hawks, didn't he drop like 33? Like Kyle Lowry still has that little bit left in him. It's not consistent, but he's got some things still in there. Where he can still shoot the ball a tiny bit. Still effective. So unless but unless he goes off tonight, or unless he I know Caleb Barton's been playing really well, too. A lot of the role players have been playing insanely well for the Miami Heat. They, they had a freaking undrafted watch the other day. Like, Duncan Robinson, Max Struss, uh, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent. Talk about all these guys have been undrafted, and they're just absolutely balling out for the Heat. And you got Bam there. Obviously, Jimmy Butler's there. The Celtics, man, that was a big win. That was a big win. It, was, it wasn't really surprising to a certain extent. They didn't exert a lot of energy in that game when they got absolutely slaughtered. When that happens, you don't really need to do a whole lot. You're just getting your ass kicked. You just need to take it at that point. And there's like there's no sense in really trying anything. We're going to conserve all of our energy for Tuesday's game, and they did, and came back and won. Very impressive game. Very impressive performance. And tonight, we'll see if they're able to to match that, or the series will end. Richard Jefferson today said the, the Boston Celtics are going to come back and win the series. They got the players. It's not like they're lot they're lacking talent. Just their two best players for the most part, having kind of up and down this playoff, at least this series, especially Jalen Brown, especially Jalen Brown. Grant Williams was making threes last game. Like, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not, I don't want to rule it out. I don't want to rule it out. And would it hurt my feelings if the Boston Celtics made the NBA Finals? No, not at all. It doesn't hurt my feelings if either team makes it. Would I like to see Jimmy Butler go to a final? Yeah, I would love to see that. But again, it doesn't really... I always get asked this question... By my friends, like, oh, who are you cheering for this playoffs? It's like, no one. I'm not really cheering for anybody. I would like to see some things happen, but it wouldn't, like, watching the Nuggets-Lakers game, would I want to see the Nuggets go to the finals? Yeah, of course. I think they'd be really cool to see the Nuggets make the finals, especially once I learned they'd never been to a finals before. But there's times where you're, like, watching it, like, oh, nice shot for, you know, Austin Reeves or something like that, or LeBron does something. It's like, oh, that was sweet. Like, I'm not openly cheering for the Nuggets or cheering for the Lakers or cheering for the Heat or cheering for the Celtics. Because nothing really bothers me. I wanted to see Jokic go to a final. I like Jamal Murray. So I'd like to see that. I've already seen LeBron in a lot of finals. Saw the Lakers win a final a couple years ago. Seen the Lakers win a few finals in my lifetime. Quite a few, actually. Celtics would have you believe they've won multiple titles (laughs) since I've been alive. But that 2008 team, they never let you forget that they won that title. That's one of the most annoying championship teams of all time. And I loved watching them at the time. Bulls should have beat them in the playoffs the next year. <laughs> they should have. Derrick Rose rookie year. 
4-3. Lost. First round. Sucked. You had the Cavaliers absolutely shit-stomping the Pistons. Gosh, the Pistons had like 30 wins that year, something like 38 wins. It was terrible. And the Celtics and Bulls, it was D. Rose, J- uh, ben- John Solomons, Luol Dang, Tyrus Thomas, and Joe Keem. That was the starting five. And then you had like Ben Gordon coming off the bench. You had Brad Miller coming off the bench. You had, was Kirk Heinrich there at that time? Kirk, I can't remember if Kirk was down in Atlanta or Washington at that time. Uh, I think he might have been there. He might have still been there because Kirk would start sometimes at the two guard with Rose. But did he get traded like midseason or something like that? There's part of me that thinks he was down in Washington during that season, during Rose's rookie year, where the Bulls went 41 and 41. No, Kirk was there. Kirk was there. That that was his. Oh, wait a minute. Hold up. Wait a minute. That was the second to last season in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 cool, 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 cool. Yeah, I'm looking at the rest of the roster right now. Aaron Gray, completely forgot about him. Tyrus Thomas, man, that trade. <laughs> man, if the Bulls didn't trade Tyrus Thomas, they would have had LaMarcus Aldridge. Like I, I was asking, so Spencer, who has not been on the show, but we've talked about Spencer before, we were watching the Bulls Heat game, and we were pulling up some highlights at halftime, just as you do. And we were pulling up the Boston Celtics versus Chicago Bulls first round matchup in the 2008 season, 2008-2009. The year after, again, the Celtics won the championship. And I turned to Jared, like, Jared, you ever heard of the Marcus Aldridge? Yeah, of course. You ever heard of Tyrus Thomas? No. Well, guess what? The Bulls traded the guy you never heard for, or traded the guy you have heard of to for the guy that you haven't heard of. You know how much better the Bulls would have been with the Marcus Aldridge? It would have been absolutely insane. That would have been insane to have LaMarcus Aldridge. No way the Bulls wouldn't have won a championship if LaMarcus Aldridge wasn't there. Versus Carlos Boozer. No, I like Carlos Boozer. But if you had LaMarcus Aldridge there, that would have been so much better. So much better. Goodness gracious. And again, maybe Derrick Rose doesn't get hurt if you get LaMarcus Aldridge. Maybe that trade doesn't happen. D. Rose is going to Maybe LaMarcus Aldridge is there. They beat the Celtics in this series. Maybe that happens. As they should have beat the Celtics in this series. <laughs> Ben Gordon averaged 24 points a game that series. Wow. Oh, yeah, Luol Deng was hurt. He was hurt going into that playoff. So Luol Deng wasn't the starting point. The Wasn't a starter at that point. I don't think – did he play in the playoffs at all that year? No, he didn't. Yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot about that completely. Because yeah, there was a stretch where he was struggling to stay healthy. Yeah, because Ben Gordon started that year in the playoffs. Yeah, so it was Ben Gordon – Salmons was the three – and Tyrus Thomas was playing the four. So we had all that stuff right, but it was just Drew Gooden. Forgot about Drew Gooden being on the Bulls. Larry Hughes, also on the Bulls. Man, what did Joakim Noah average in that playoff series? Nice cool 10. Nice calm cool 10. Averaged two blocks a game, though. 13 rebounds and 10 points with two blocks a game? Joakim Noah, Mr. Effective. But with that Bulls team, what hurt? was that, hey, this team, very talented. Not this exact team, but very talented. Always was the number one overall seed in the playoffs for the East. You got back-to-back years of that, just couldn't get it done in the playoffs. The year D-Rose got hurt, you get losing six games to the Sixers. The year he's healthy, wins MVP, win the first game in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Heat, they put LeBron on him, series over. Heat went in four. Heat went in five, actually. So I had a friend, so it's like speaking of that, of like winning – a lot of games, being successful. We talk about this with the, the hockey stuff, with the Bruins. you got the Patriots. You've got, you know, the Mariners. All these different teams that were successful in the regular season could get it done in the playoffs. My friend Noah, who we brought up on the show before, big Vikings fan. Big Vikings fan. And I saw this on Twitter before he even sent it to me. But he sent it to me anyways. He, it was a CBS Sports one. Division titles have mostly had strong correlations with Super Bowls. So the Pittsburgh Steelers had 24 division titles. They have six Super Bowls. The Patriots have 24. 21 division titles. They have six Super Bowls. 49ers have 21. They have five Super Bowls. Cowboys have 21. They have five Super Bowls. The Packers have 16 division titles. They have four Super Bowls. The Vikings have 19 division titles. And obviously have zero Super Bowls. The Vikings are the only other team along with the Buffalo Bills that are 0-4 in Super Bowl history. So if the Bills and Vikings go to the Super Bowl and play each other, which, you know, 
I don't really know how likely that is. I think both teams are insanely talented, but I don't I don't know how likely that was to happen. I just saw a thing. I got sent another thing on ESPN today of their percentage of teams to win the Super Bowl, and the Detroit Lions had one of the highest percentages in the NFL in regards to winning the Super Bowl. They had the seventh best odds. So I can't remember if it was win or at least go to the Super Bowl. Like, it was the Eagles, Chiefs, Niners, Bills, Bengals, Cowboys, and then the Lions. I don't know the top six. I don't remember the exact order, but those were the six teams. And then the Lions. It's like, what? I understand the Lions are a good team, but I did not expect the Detroit Lions. I never thought I'd see the Lions in a top ten possible Super Bowl contenders, but that's the Vikings for you. In a year where the Vikings should be able to win this division fairly, not easily, but should win the division... You've already got the Lions, who are building a momentum of what they did last year, obviously shutting the Packers out of the playoffs. We don't know what the Packers are going to be this year, with Jordan Love coming in. And the Bears can't be worse than what they were last year. They won three games last year. They can't be worse. It's impossible for them to be worse than what they were last year. If they were, if they are somehow worse than what they were last year, then everybody needs to go. Do the opposite of the Cleveland Browns, because the Cleveland Browns, remember, they went 1-15. The next year, they go 0-16. Or no, no, no. I've got that backwards. i got that backwards. They went 0-16 and then 1-16. They didn't get worse. It's impossible for them to get worse. Bears made improvements along the offensive line. They got weapons for Justin Fields. Justin Fields has next year development in this new op- the same offense, which is very important. I like Roshan Johnson a lot. They drafted him. I like what the Bears did. So the Bears shouldn't be worse, but man, the Vikings, they should win this division. They should. On paper, the Vikings should win this division. I don't know what they're going to do with Dalvin Cook, but they should still win this division. They have too much talent to lose this division. They won 13 games last year. I understand that doesn't mean a whole lot going into next season because things change over time, but man, they could have 20 division titles because there's a chance. So I would bet money on this 49ers win the division. So the 49ers will have 22 division titles. Okay? So you got the Niners there. The Steelers, Patriots, and Cowboys, I don't think will win their divisions. Because you got, you know, the the Steelers got the Bengals and Ravens, the Patriots got the Bills, and then you got the Cowboys with the Eagles. So you've got other teams in place. So the Vikings could have 20 division titles, potentially, if they're going to win the division, which again, I think they should. 20 division titles, zero Super Bowls. That is insane. And then you look at the, the landscape of the NFL. Most division titles since the merger. And the entire NFL, it's not just Super Bowls, they're fifth most division titles. Comparatively to some teams that have never won Super Bowls as well, the next team that has not won a Super Bowl in this list of division title winners is the Cincinnati Bengals. They have 11. They have eight less division titles than the Minnesota Vikings do, and they also have not won a Super Bowl. Then you got the Bills have won a Super Bowl with 10. You got the Chargers with nine, with 10. Like Washington, they have won three Super Bowls and have only nine division titles. <laughs> that is impressive. That is very impressive. The New York Giants, <laughs> they have four Super Bowls. And they've only won eight division titles. The Buccaneers have two. And they only have eight division titles. Ravens have two Super Bowls as well. They have six division titles. It's impressive. The Jets only have two. <laughs> they have one Super Bowl. So you know what? When they win the division, <laughs> they have a decent shot at winning the Super Bowl. Oh, my goodness. I think that's funny. And it made me think. It made me really think. Because then you also have the the Vikings have struggled to win it when it counts. Win percentage. Franchise history win percentage. This is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. So there's 13 teams on here. In the Super Bowl era. Asterisk. Super Bowl era. Going from reverse order, we have the Rams with a 51%, 52% win percentage. Colts with a 52% win percentage. Both those teams have two Super Bowls. Raiders have a 53. They have three Super Bowls. Chiefs have a 55% win percentage. They have three Super Bowls. Broncos have a 55% win percentage. They have five, three Super Bowls. 49ers have a four, 55% win percentage. Just slightly more than the Chiefs and Broncos. They have five Super Bowls. The Dolphins have a 55% win percentage. Higher than uh, the Niners, uh, Broncos, and Chiefs. Two Super Bowls. And I'm rounding up. I'm, they have a 52, 55.2% win percentage. Packers have a 55.3%. They have four Super Bowls. Patriots have a 56.1% win percentage. They obviously have six Super Bowls. Ravens have a 56.1% win percentage. They have two Super Bowls. And then you got the Minnesota Vikings. The third highest regular season win percentage of all time in all franchises. 
56.2%. The two teams above them combined have 11 Super Bowls. Those are the Cowboys and Steelers. Combined 11 Super Bowls. In this list, every single team has at least two Super Bowls. The Vikings don't even have one. So it always begs the question. I always think about this a lot. Like, I remember the Houston Astros first got their punishment for winning the World Series, or uh, their lack of punishment, I should say, where they got they were they had the cheating scandal. You had the wires. You have the trash cans. You got all that stuff. Never got a World Series taken away. Never did all that stuff. So you're like, wow, that why is that not happening? But then you think about it, it's like, would it be a worse punishment? Them getting everything taken away or them constantly going back and then losing. Now, obviously, they won a World Series in recent years. So without the cheating scandals, allegedly, we'll have to wait and see the, the results on that one. But would you rather be a team that's constantly going to a championship and losing or being one of the better teams in the NFL or the league or sports, whatever, and losing when it counts or be a fan of, like, the Browns? Would you rather be like that? Or the Lions? Would you rather be a Lions or Vikings fan? Because the Lions have never been good. Never been good. The Bengals, their first playoff win by a starting quarterback (laughs) that they drafted in the first round was when Joe Burrow won them a playoff game. The Bengals, until Joe Burrow won them a playoff game, had never won a playoff game in any round in the 21st century. And it hadn't won a playoff game in like 40 years or something like that. 30 years. It's an insane amount of time. And the Bengals have been to a Super Bowl in the past two years. Gone to a conference title, too. So would you rather be a team... We obviously got the Bills, who had the 18-year playoff drought. Like, would you rather be a fan of a team that has sucked or a team that's good but just can't get over the edge? I would kind of lean towards being a fan of a team that sucked. Because I look back at my Cubs years. And I look back at the years the Cubs... After they won the World Series... So the year before they won the World Series, they weren't really supposed to be anything, and they still managed to get, I think, 98 wins that year. They weren't supposed to be anything special. They were supposed to be, that was the building year, and then the next year they're going to start challenging for things. They go all the way to the NLCS, get swept by the Mets, Mets lose to the Royals in the World Series, yada, yada, yada. They go on to win the World Series the next year. So that's back-to-back years you're building something. After they won the World Series in 2016, the, the thought process was this team is good enough to compete for many, many years. Many, many years. Look at the young court. Bryant just won an MVP. You got Rizzo's been there a while. You got Baez. We're not going to talk about Aston Russell. We've got Kyle Schwarber. You got Dexter Fowler. You got the talented team with Joe Madden. Wilson Contreras at catcher. A pitching court that had three Cy Young candidates and Kyle Hendricks, Jake Arrieta, and John Lester. That you, everything is still there for you to continue winning. You are a historic franchise that's been around forever in a big market. You should be able to compete. But when I look back at the years post-World Series, I've had more fun when the Cubs sucked than I did knowing the Cubs were not going to win anything. But they were going to be good enough to go to the playoffs. It's being stuck in that purgatory that is not, it's not fun. It is not fun. So when the Cubs finally were like, we're done, we're blowing it up, it was sad because you see players that did so much for you from a system that sucked for years and then you get to that mountaintop, like it sucks to see that happen, but you're like, hey, it needed to happen because you're just going to be stuck in that perpetual hamster wheel and never going to be able to get off of it. It sucked. Like I knew the Cubs would go to the playoffs and they'd lose to the Dodgers, embarrassingly lose to the Dodgers. They lost to the freaking Marlins in the playoffs recently. Like I had no joy in watching like, yeah, I know they're going to make the playoffs. They go on these runs that are really fun to watch. And I'm watching all these games, but then when you look at that and you go back to the days when they sucked ass, that win meant so much. It was like, oh my god, they actually won a game. This is awesome. Like my, that first game I ever went to went to in Chicago against the Dodgers, they were bad. They were very bad. And you want to know what? After the game, lost six to four. It was a freaking party in the streets. Like they may have lost, but hey, we had a damn good time. At the bay, we are not expecting anything. When you go into a seat, you've won 19 division titles. Every team around you has multiple Super Bowls, not just one, multiple Super Bowls. In re- in regards to division titles, the next closest team that doesn't have a Super Bowl is ranked all the way down in 11th with 11 division titles, eight less 
than you. It always makes it difficult. It always makes it because the one thing, like having that hope and getting it ripped away from you is one of the worst feelings in life, not just sports, in life. It sucks. And when you're that good in the regular season, winning division titles and stuff like that, it don't mean a thing without the ring. Remember that old saying that we brought up earlier? Don't mean a thing without the ring. So I don't know. I, I It would be an interesting conversation to have with a Vikings fan. Would they rather have the 19 division titles and be what they are or be a fan of the Detroit Lions or like the Browns or something? I don't know. It's interesting. The Cardinals, they've only been to one Super Bowl ever. They lost it. Cardinals have been probably the worst team in NFL history, if we're being honest with you. They're going to suck ass this year. They're going to suck ass this year. Like ESPN today, or a couple days ago, I should say, they projected 24 24 NFL draft for which team is number one. This is the top 10. Number one is the Cardinals. And their chance at number one overall pick, 18%. 18. 18.2. Chance at a top 10. Damn here. 80%. (laughs) You have an 80% chance to be a top 10 pick. There are 32 picks in normal years in the NFL draft. You have an 80% chance to be a number one overall pick. That is impressive. That is a very impressive feat. And they, they, the first thing it says, are the Cardinals trying to win? It's like, I don't think so. I don't really think so. The Cardinals could be the first 0-17 team in NFL history. It wouldn't really shock me at this point. First year head coach, not a lot going for you on offense with Kyler Murray being injured. Not a lot going for you on defense. Not that there was anything to begin with there, especially with Byron Murphy going to Minnesota. It's going to be rough. Buda Baker looking for a trade. DeAndre Hopkins looking for a trade. We'll see. You guys got, at this point, for Arizona, you just got stockpile draft picks. And then we'll start the conversation about do they draft Caleb Williams or do they keep Kyler Murray. I don't know. I, I think they should be fine with Kyler. I like Kyler. I think he's annoying at times. We brought I've said this a thousand times. I think Kyler's insanely talented. Like People forget, a couple years ago, he was in the MVP conversation. There was a time with that. People tend to forget about that stuff. But Kyler is a good quarterback. He does a lot of cringy things. He does a lot of things like, dude, why do you need a clause in your contract that says, hey, you need to study? Why do you need that? Like, stuff like that. It's like, why Why are you the way you are, Kyler? You could be so – he's so effortlessly talented. That's the problem, and it just carries him with that. But he's done well, apparently, this offseason in regards to first one in, last one out type thing with the new coaching staff. I think a new coaching staff would breathe a lot of new life, new life into him. Cliff Kingsbury, as we have known, is inept as a head coach. Very solid offensive mind, inept as a head coach, especially at the NFL level. Never, ever, ever met expectations. Like, people, actually, I don't really know if I would say that because the Cardinals with Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach, people's expectations of them was to underperform. That was just kind of the general expectation for the Arizona Cardinals was to, yeah, they got talent, but they'll probably finish like eight wins. They could finish with 10, 11, but they'll probably finish with seven or eight. And that was usually the what their thought process was. And for the Cardinals, why even worry about being good this year? You got the Texans pick too. You got the Texans pick too. Because they traded up for Will Anderson. So you have a chance to, if you don't draft Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever at number one, which is, again, a high possibility the Cardinals get the number one overall pick, you trade back for that, you're still getting Marvin Harrison Jr. there. Or a Joe Alt or someone like that. Like, you're getting a good player regardless because the Texans are not going to be very good either. Like, the Texans and Titans will be ass. Texans might be a little better because I like Damian Pierce. I like the culture that they're going to bring in with D'Amico Ryans. I like them getting Tank Dell in the draft. C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, obviously great players there as well. Hopefully Derek Stingley stays healthy. Like, they've got some established pieces that could turn them better. The Titans might actually be worse. I don't know. It depends on what happens with Derrick Henry because that team is so heavily reliant on him. We'll have to wait and see on that one. But I don't think the Texans will be good regardless. And then you got third overall pick, the Bucks. Yeah, they're not going to be very good. I saw Baker Mayfield. His OTA started this week. I saw Baker Mayfield make a throw, and he missed it. As It's going to be a lot. This It's so funny how things have changed on Tampa. Like, Tampa had a blip of three years, and then now we're like, oh, they're back to normal. Ah, uh, here's the Bucks again. 
We're back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They had a blip, and then now we're back. It's like the blip in freaking Avengers. Like, Avengers. You're, like, they're just gone, and they're back. It's like, oh, the bad Bucks are gone. Tom Brady's there. They're going to be better. I don't know how many people were expecting them to win a Super Bowl that year. I wasn't, for one, for starters. And <laughs> now they're just back to being ass. So... We'll see how that goes. We'll see how Baker does. We'll see how Kyle Trask does, whoever they go with the starting quarterback. I would le- I would imagine Baker's a starter. I would love to see Kyle Trask start. I think either way that they're stuck in a situation kind of like Davis Mills or Gardner Minshew were in Houston, Jacksonville, where you're they're taking a quarterback. It doesn't matter how good Baker or Kyle Trask are. Baker's on a one-year deal. Kyle Trask has done nothing to this point in the NFL because he's been stuck behind not only Brady but Blaine Gabbard as well, potentially going to be behind uh, Baker Mayfield. The chances of him being the starter long-term, even if he does good this year, are very small. Because though I like Kyle Trask, and he's got a good arm, he's got the size you're looking for, he can't move. He is not mobile. He is not mobile. Drake May has got the size and arm strength, and if they even want Caleb Williams, like I'm, I was ruling out Caleb Williams to a certain extent for them, but Drake May, that would be their, like any of these quarterbacks in the draft, like even Quinn Ewers would be, their next guy, next up, or whatever you want to say. They got the Colts at four. Take a tackle. That's all it really is going to be here. They just need a tackle. They're not going to take a quarterback. Uh, Anthony Richardson, the Colts aren't going to be good. I brought up the Texas and Titans earlier. Colts aren't going to be good either. I don't want to sit here and act like I think the Colts are going to be a Super Bowl contender or anything, or even a playoff team. But they could have, they have a high, uh, exciting floor. It's like the Bills, Josh Allen's rookie here. The Bills went 6-10. and 10. They got blown out in like five games that year. When Josh wasn't playing. Like they got the two games that stick out the most are week one against the Ravens and then later in the season against the Bears. Nathan Peter the only reason I really remember that Bears game is because they had a graphic when the Bills were down like a hundred to two. Nathan Peterman scored a quarterback sneak, and it was the first rushing touchdown the Bears gave up that season. Cause that was the first year of Khalil Mack in Chicago. So like absolutely ridiculous. They got blitzed by the Patriots on Monday night football which was Derek Anderson versus Tom Brady, you know, the matchup everybody wanted to see. They got beat up pretty good by the Chargers. Week two, Josh Allen's first start. They choked against the Texans. I'd say choked. Nathan Peterman threw a pick six against the Texans to end the game when they were playing decently well at that point. Uh, but, yeah, they're going to be exciting. They're going to be a, a bad exciting. It's going to be fun to watch them, but they're not going to be challenging for anything. But a Joe Alt... From Notre Dame would definitely be an option there. Rams at five. Yeah, they're going to look for a quarterback, you would imagine. Caleb Williams staying in L.A. The problem is, if the Cardinals get the number one overall pick, the Rams have a 0.0% chance to get the number one overall pick because I I understand division trades when they screw over another division rival, but this one, the Cardinals would not willing. I, would, I know the Cardinals are a mess of an organization. They've been a mess for a, as long as they've been a team. But, man, they're not that stupid to give a potentially generational talent at quarterback in Caleb Williams to a division rival. I refuse to believe that would happen. I refuse, I refute that in the name of the Lord. That is not happening. If they do, then fair play. Fair play, Arizona. You know what? You have that. You not only didn't take Caleb Williams, you traded with the, a division rival with Sean McVay as the head coach. And give them Caleb Williams. Fair play. If you want to do that, that's perfectly fine. I would say there's zero percent chance to get Caleb Williams if Arizona's got their more overall pick, unless the Cardinals ha- don't have the two over second overall pick and they just want to take Marvin Harrison Jr. number one. So last time a receiver went number one overall, Keyshawn Johnson went to the Jets. And I think in '92, '93, somewhere around there. Drew Bledsoe was the number one pick in that time too. Titans at number six. Yeah, the Titans aren't very good. Not really a lot to talk about there. Packers at seven. I think the. I don't know. I don't know about the Packers. I don't think the Packers will be that bad, will they? I don't think they'll be bad, that bad. I think I think the team's rallying around Jordan Love. I like. I I think they'll be better than that. Eight Washington, yeah, they'll be bad. Number nine Vegas, yeah, I don't think they'll be very good. Uh, and then number ten, uh, the Bears via the Carolina Panthers. The problem is, <laughs> I don't know who's going to win that division. So I don't know if the Bears would really have a number a top ten pick. I don't know if they would. I don't know if they would because that division, the NFC South, sucks. Like the Falcons and the Saints and the Panthers, I don't know how good any of those teams are. I'm fairly confident saying the Bucks are going to be terrible, 
But other than that, no idea. Absolutely no clue. Like Tristan Wirfs got drafted in 2020, <laughs> went to a Super Bowl, back-to-back division titles, three division titles, I should say. Or did they, did they win a division title uh, in Tampa that first year, or did the Saints win it? I cannot remember, but either way, two or three division titles, Super Bowl trip, and then now he's back to the normal Bucks. What a punch to the face that would be. But yeah, I don't I don't know about the Panthers. I have a hard time figuring them out. And same with the Saints, same with the Falcons, because someone's gonna win that division. That's a sad thing. Someone's gotta win that division. That's terrible. Like I saw a thing the other day, uh on NFL Network, top three the Jaguars will be a top three team in the AFC and Trevor Lawrence will be a finalist for MVP. I mean, top three team in the AFC, is this talking about like just overall record? Because they're gonna win the division, so just by default they'll be a top four team. So is that I don't know how that works. <laughs> I don't know who they're going to be better than. I like the Jaguars, but I'm fairly confident they're going to be the fourth best division winner this year. Because I think they'll be good. I like Trevor Lawrence a lot, but I don't think they're going to be enough to beat atop either the Chiefs, Bengals, or Bills, or even Ravens. I, I don't really think that's going to happen. And speaking of the Ravens, I saw another tweet today about Lamar can't throw the footballs. Like, yeah, freaking casual. Shut up. Shut up. And finals for MVP, I think there's a chance... And there's a chance he does that, but I think the Jaguars would have to be the number one overall seed for people to actually consider Trevor Lawrence an MVP candidate. Because the thing is, he's going to have to beat Patrick Mahomes for it. That's the bar. Patrick Mahomes is the bar for MVP. So if you don't top him, it's going to be hard. for. I don't think his numbers will be that amazing to put him in that category alone. I think they're going to have to be the number one overall seed for him to be MVP. That's how I would view it. I don't. I just don't think their receivers are good enough to help him win an MVP. I think they're solid. Did they get? Did they get anybody in the draft? I mean, they got Calvin Ridley, but that's pretty much it, isn't it? I mean, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk still there, Jamal Agnew, Parker Washington, Tim Jones. They re-signed Evan Ingram. They drafted Brenton Strange from Penn State. Yeah, I just don't. <sighs> I, I don't know if he'll win MVP. They drafted Tank Bigsby, which is a good one. Back him up with Travis Etienne. And maybe having a quarterback as good as C.J. Beathard sitting behind him would would put, would put push him to an MVP, like Joe Montana and Steve Young type thing. Maybe that'll push him to that. I don't know. I, I think they'll win the division. I don't. I think they'll sweep the division. I don't think that should be too much of an issue. I have a hard time believing that'd be an issue for them. If it is, then we're not, we are not having a conversation about him winning MVP if they struggle in this division. Like, we just read out three teams that division being potential top ten. Three of the four teams that division, according to ESPN, have a solid chance of having top six picks. Three of the four. The only other team not in there is the Jaguars. If the Jaguars don't finish with a guaranteed six wins, they cannot finish with less than six wins. That is impossible for them to finish less than six. Because they're sweeping this division. There should be no issue whatsoever. And then even after that, like look, let's look at the Jaguars' schedule. Look at the Jaguars' schedule. So you got the Colts, they'll beat them. Chiefs week two in Jacksonville, they'll lose. So there's one loss. So you, I'm going to count the wins. Beat the Colts, beat the Texans, and they'll beat the, the Falcons. So there's three wins through four weeks. They'll lose the Bills, beat the Colts again. So they're four and two. Then they'll beat the Saints. They'll beat the Steelers. So they're going in that... With week nine by week with six wins and two losses. And then we go to the after the bye week, the Niners will lose that one. They'll beat the Titans. They'll beat the Texans. They'll lose to the Bengals. They'll beat the Browns. Let's say they'll lose to the Ravens. They beat the Bucks. They beat the Panthers. They beat the Titans. So there's 12 wins. That's just speed running it because that's your guaranteed six wins. That is, <laughs> cannot, that is impossible for you to lose less than six. Or win less than six. Because you're going to beat all six, all three teams in your division twice. So, yeah. that's <laughs> So, uh, what, 12-5? and five? I don't think that's too out of the question for Jacksonville. They're going to be building momentum of what they did last year. Like, last year they finished 9-8. and eight. I don't think it's out of the question to say 12-5. and five. I, Maybe 11-6 and six is more realistic, but they're, they made improvements. And a lot of what they did last year came post-bye week. They lost one game post-bye week. Discounting the playoffs, obviously. And they had that insane comeback against the Chargers. So we'll see. We'll see what the Jaguars do. But they, they are not finishing with less than six. 
So that that's fun. That's a good feeling to have. Like a guaranteed six wins. That's a really good feeling to have in the, <laughs> in the NFL. It's not often you can guarantee wins, but uh, you can do that with this. You can do that with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, I think that's all I've got for you today on this Friday edition of Logan Blyman Show. I had some uh, Premier League stuff I wanted to talk about. Manchester United just clinched Champions League. Beat Chelsea 4-1 today. Just got done watching that a little bit ago. So we were going to do our Premier League like roundup type thing. But, you know, the Premier League officially ends on Sunday. I was going to do it a little bit early. So we're going to wait till Sunday. So we'll go over my preseason predictions. And then we'll talk about what actually happened in the Premier League. Because we got some things that are closing out at the end of the season. We got some very big things closing to close the season down. If Leicester beat West Ham, Leicester could be safe. If Everton beat, oh, so oh, pretty much is, Everton just need to beat Bournemouth. So let's say this, Everton beat Bournemouth. Yeah, no, that's it. Ever, if Everton beat Bournemouth, then it's done. If Everton lose to Bournemouth, which is likely, because Bournemouth, I mean, up until recently, so they've lost three or four out of the last six games, which is not great, but they lose, they beat Bournemouth and they're safe. If they lose, that makes things very interesting. Because Leicester beating West Ham, the thing is, these are very reasonable things to happen. Because of the fact that the teams that Leicester and Everton are playing, that's the main relegation race right now, which is insane to think about. You got Leicester, who won the Premier League a few years ago, back in 2015-16. They won an FA Cup in that time frame as well. Everton have never been relegated. And then you got Leeds, who've just been ass all year. Terrible team this year. (laughs) They play Tottenham. Maybe they are able to pull it out of their ass. So if Leeds beat Tottenham and Everton and Leicester lose, then Leeds will be promoted or stay in the Premier League, and Leicester and Everton will go down with Southampton. Southampton's already guaranteed to go down. Already secured. But it'd be funny if they beat Liverpool. And again, Manchester United, they secured top four. Newcastle secured top four as well. So yeah, Champions League places are set. It's just a matter of uh, Manchester United finishing third or fourth, or Newcastle finishing third or fourth. We got Man City winning the league. We got Arsenal finishing second, Manchester United, or Newcastle finishing third. The other one finishing fourth. Fun stuff. But we'll go over all that on Sunday, or a Monday show, I should say. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to watch the NBA playoffs tonight. Got the NHL playoffs as well. So... We'll make sure to watch both of those or try to stay up to date at those as much as possible. It'd be funny to see two sweeps for the NHL, like two sweeps from the NHL playoffs, making it three sweeps in total. We'll have to wait and see if that actually plays out. So with that being said, I will see you all later. Enjoy your weekend. Hope you enjoyed the show again. Make sure to follow Logan Blackburn over every single form of social media. Check out the blog posts as well. And make sure you're following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. I've been Logan Blackman, and I will see you later. Peace.